Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Big Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Logunde. In this episode, I'll be addressing two key questions. First, what constitutes the right balance of how many days per week to spend working from home and how many days per week to spend in the office? Secondly, on the opposite end of the return to office spectrum, do we really need to meet in person? So before we proceed, a very important point to note is that the opinions I express in this episode are mine alone and they do not represent those of my employer or any other organizations that I'm affiliated with. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So to start with, I'll be um, analyzing the, the question that has been very popular now. Um, how many days per week in the office is enough as employees go back to, to the office? So the pandemic has changed our relationship with the office. Everybody can agree agree with that. And understandably, few people want to return to the pre-pandemic status quo. So how many people miss the sociability of the workplace? Surveys show that at least three quarters of employees want the option to spend a few days working at home and a few days working in the office. And of course, this naturally leads to the question of what exactly is the right balance? The experience of working from home has helped break down many of the prejudices that limited work flexibility before 2020. However, there are still discernible differences in attitudes between employees and managers on this question. So a 128-page research paper that was published by the Australian Productivity Commission in September of this year, which was literally titled Working from Home, Note that there are actual or perceived costs to working from home, such as reduced opportunities for collaboration and networking, reduced face-to-face interactions with managers, and consequences for long-term career prospects. So the link to that paper is in the show notes for this episode. It's important to note the last part of that quote that refers to long-term career prospects. A pre-pandemic study that was published back in November 2014 in the Quarterly Journal of Economics found that fully remote workers, despite being 13% more productive, were only half as likely to be promoted as their colleagues who spent most of their time in the office. The link to that 2014 paper is also in the show notes for this episode. So the reasons for this are likely complex. A combination of explicit attitudes and subconscious biases, and then interestingly, the persistence of those factors invariably spells doom and danger for post-COVID organizations. Notably, the notion of being physically present in the office could disadvantage employees with caregiver responsibilities who are more likely to want or even need greater flexibility. Some organizations are adamant that going back to the office all or most of the time is essential. Let's look at Google, for example. So Google has won awards for its corporate, um, open corporate culture. Its products have facilitated the teleworking revolution as much as any other company's product. However, in August this year, Google said it would reduce the pay of its US employees who choose to work from home permanently. According to screenshots of Google's internal salary calculator that journalists from Reuters saw, an employee living in Stamford, Connecticut, which is an hour from New York City by train, would be paid 15% less if he or she worked from home. On the other hand, 
a colleague from the same office living in New York City would see no cuts due to working from home. So that calculator uses data from the U.S. Census Bureau Metropolitan Statistical Areas. Stamford, Connecticut, for example, is not in New York City's Metropolitan, um, metropolitan Statistical Area, even though many people who live in Stamford, Connecticut, work in New York City. So other screenshots showed 5% and 10% differences in the Seattle, Boston, and San Francisco areas. Facebook and Twitter also announced pay cuts for remote employees who move to less expensive areas. Meanwhile, smaller companies such as Reddit and Zillow have shifted to location-agnostic pay models, citing advantages when it comes to hiring, retention, and diversity. A Google spokesperson justified this pay cut policy on the ground that Google had always paid employees according to the local market based on where an employee works from. But given the company's long-standing aversion to remote work, it is hard to see this as anything other than a stick to pull employee, um, employees back into the office. Choosing to work from home could reportedly cost some Google employees up to 25% of their salaries. Since technology made remote work a possibility in the 1970s, the potential for more significant work flexibility has largely been stunted by managerial fears. For decades, concerns about innovation and productivity have been cited as the reasons why workers must be in the office most of the time, despite research indicating that there is no reason for employees to be in the office every day to maximize the benefits of collaboration. The lived experience of the pandemic has mitigated these concerns in some way, but not completely. Arguably, these attitudes are associated with a legacy management model, whereby attitudes have failed to change alongside facts. There are often unwritten workplace expectations about not leaving before the boss and putting in unpaid overtime as being prerequisites to pay raises and promotions. Therefore, the vital question is not about the optimal mix of days in the office and at home. Experts collectively agree that there is no one-size-fits-all model for hybrid work. It should depend on the context, the team dynamics, and ultimately the individuals involved. On the other hand, the main question, however, is why managerial attitudes are taking so long to catch up with reality. There is now extensive research showing that employees are satisfied when they have the flexibility to customize their work. And this flexibility encompasses not just whether we work from home or the office a certain number of days, but also when we work, who we work with, and what we work on. So up next, I'm going to be discussing another um, question that is equally um, important in this time of returning to the office shortly after the new year, which is, do we really need to meet in person? Stay with us. So as employees start returning to the office, many people are noticing a significant change. Meetings are still happening virtually, and in many cases, office workers leave home, they go to their office desks, they put on headphones, and then they connect to Zoom, Teams, WebEx, and so on, to chat with the same people sitting a few feet away from them. So the cognitive dissonance that workers may feel is not because things are different, but rather, they are remarkably similar to how they were back home. While managers have sounded off that we will lose collaboration and mentorship opportunities in a dominantly remote future, 
employees have been justifiably questioning why they have to leave their homes at all in the first place. So what exactly do most people gain from in-person meetings that they have been missing during the past 19 months? Most video conferencing software are not necessarily better than meeting in person, neither are they necessarily worse. Although a company might demand that everybody return to the office at some point over the next few months, that does not mean that their outside clients or partners will do the same. Therefore, making video conference calls an automatic part of every outward meeting. Of course, these kinds of calls happened way before the pandemic, when everyone would sit in a conference room around a speakerphone or some other fancy conference call software or hardware. The exception now is that we have had a vivid experience of the alternative and hardly anyone is clamoring to return to the way things were with all the germs touching and like someone recently described it, being close enough to rub noses. For 19 months, we've not had cause to interrupt our work days to go sit in a special room so that people could talk over one another and then waste time invariably. Meetings were not events, but rather to-do list items that required slightly more attention than emails. Previously, meetings were kind of a novelty, a mutually agreed upon way in which we could all waste one another's time in non-specific ways that were nevertheless accepted as work. In short order, video conferencing's low barrier of entry removed meetings from this lofty status, making them just one more way to get things done, or rather to make it seem like we're getting things done, alongside email, Slack, and all the other productivity tools. Early on in the pandemic, most people's first instinct was to blame everything on Zoom and frame Zoom as the problem. But the world has gradually realized that we were simply having too many meetings before and that video conferencing now let us diplomatically end meetings as quickly as we started them. After several months of remote work, many people now experience Zoom fatigue, or more accurately, meeting fatigue, as the number of meetings unsurprisingly doubled during the pandemic. However, as we approach something close to a return to normalcy in 2022, whatever that means, the future of white-collar jobs will most likely be remote dominant, not because it is better, but because it is good enough. Remote work seems to get the job done. It allows more people to participate in more activities and it's significantly easier and more practical to get people to join a video conference call than to unite them in a conference room. So having said all that, fully remote meetings can have downsides. Relying on dozens of different internet connections often lead to people misjudging speaking cues inadvertently, which is otherwise easy to gauge in person. And it also leads to missing essential parts of conversations or having someone unexpectedly freeze or drop out at the worst moment. It can also be quite challenging to tell whether you've engaged someone with your comments for better or for worse because everyone is staring at different parts of the screen. In fact, many people browse other tabs and windows while someone else is speaking or even tune out completely and focus instead on text messages, social media, or even Netflix, half listening with mostly um, with their cameras mostly off. It can be quite challenging to give a virtual speaker our undivided attention for more than a few minutes, which usually come at the beginning or end of those video conference meetings. 
There however, um, advantages as well. The post-pandemic meeting culture is a watershed moment for inclusivity, especially for employees with disabilities. Where they might have been previously ostracized for not being in the office, a post-pandemic meeting culture will invariably guarantee an unlimited number of seats at the table. Video conferencing may not necessarily make us look our best, but in some ways, it removes a degree of aesthetic judgment, as well as the ritual of feeling physically intimidated in the workplace. Furthermore, removing the need for a fixed focal point means people will not be arbitrarily judged for their attention or lack thereof. And for those who find it difficult to maintain eye contact, it's a chance not to get held back based on something beyond their control. So arguably, those framing the return to the office as returning to work would only continue to look silly and sound silly as they gradually realize that committing to work only to open up a video conferencing app or software is the most ridiculous of ridiculous activities. So to wrap up, I talked about finding the right balance of days to work in the office or days to work from home as most employees start planning their return to the office and how this this shouldn't even be the main question. The main question should be how the managerial attitudes are taking so long to catch up with reality. There's research showing that employees are satisfied when they have the flexibility to customize their work according to their own needs. Nowadays, we now see employees with caregiver responsibilities, employees that have to pay attention to elderly people in their family just as much as they pay attention to the young dependent kids in their in the same families. And also I talked about the, the whole idea of whether we really need to meet in person or what what are the advantages and disadvantages of um, these video conferencing calls? How can we make them more efficient and better and get better results, basically? So um, this, these are the things that have been popping up simply because of the pandemic we've been exposed to for the past 19 months. And hopefully the conversations will continue to be pushed forward in this regard. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, the opinions in this episode are mine alone. They do not represent those of my employer or any any other organizations that I'm affiliated with. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Beat Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorski. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at Bidemi. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.